shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. David, what is the best movie you've seen lately? You know what I'm going to say, Sissy. It's Jesus Revolution. Isn't it so good? And I love that families with older kids can watch it together. Jesus Revolution is the incredible true story of the Jesus movement that swept the nation in the 1970s. The film is about Pastor Greg Laurie, when he was a young man searching for all the right things in all the wrong places, getting carried away by the wild hippie movement. But then he meets a street preacher who's passionate about bringing the gospel to the hippies. Lonnie teams up with Pastor Chuck Smith, and they open the doors to the hippies of Southern California. That's when they find themselves in a revival that will change the world. It's such an inspiring true story. The Jesus Revolution film is rated PG-13 and makes for great conversation with older kids about the change Jesus can make in people's lives. Plus, the movie includes an all-star cast. I just love Kelsey Grammer. Gather your friends and family for a movie night to enjoy Jesus Revolution. Available now on demand, digital, Blu-ray, and DVD. Visit JesusRevolution.movie to learn more. Again, that's JesusRevolution.movie. Singer-songwriter Cindy Morgan is a two-time Grammy nominee, a 13-time Dove Award winner, and a recipient of the prestigious Songwriter of the Year trophy. An East Tennessee native, her evocative melodies and lyrics have mined the depths of life and love, both in her own recording and through songwriting for noteworthy artists around the globe, including Vince Gill, Indy O'Ree, 
Rascal Flats, Amy Grant, Sandra McCracken, and Glenn Campbell. Cindy is the author of three books, but her debut novel, The Year of Jubilee, releases this month. Cindy has two daughters and splits time living between a small town near Nashville and Holly Springs, North Carolina with her husband, Jonathan. For more information, visit cindymorganmusic.com. And that's all the amazing professional stuff about her, but you have heard her on our podcast before, and she is one of my very dearest friends. Cindy, you're the best. (laughs) And I am so excited about this book. I'm so excited. And I know Melissa and I in particular, and you may have heard some of these stories along the way, just your life that has kind of shifted into this book, which I want you to talk about the inspiration, but I don't even know what to say about your growing up and the things that I have learned hearing you talk about your life and the perspective you have, the depth you have, the empathy, the awareness, the gratitude that you have. And um, I'm just really excited for this book Mm. to make its way into the world and for people to learn those things. So that's not even a question, but I want you to talk about what inspired you to write it Mm -hmm. and how did you settle on the title? Yeah. Okay, well, the inspiration for the book was inspired by my first memory as Mm. a child. So when I started this book, there was a memory that I had. It's strange because that memory occurred when I was three and a half years old. And there's like a gap of time after that memory to where I started remembering again, but that first memory was so vivid. I couldn't ever shake that memory I wrote it down about 17 years ago, just as I saw it, and thought there's a lot to unpack of what happened after this first memory, but that was like 17 years ago, and then I kind of left it for a while, and then about 10 years ago, I picked it back up and realized that the way I wanted to process through that memory and kind of the things that followed after was in a fiction setting because I felt like it, it would allow me to explore kind of the boundaries of what happens when a trauma kind of hits a family out of nowhere and how they proceed after that and what that trauma, how that trickles down on everyone in the family and, and how it impacts them. So so yeah, that's what it's based on. Mm. And the title? It's called The Year of Jubilee. Yes. And I know I didn't tell you what that memory was, but I figured you'd ask me that. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and on that note, we wanted to go a little farther into your own story and how this book intersects with your story. Yeah. So my first memory was that uh, my brother Samuel, who was about a week away from his fifth birthday, he Mm. He was on death's doorstep, and he had this pet rooster that my Aunt Frida uh, had given to him as an Easter present, I think a couple years before, as a little chick. You know, she brought this, like, little cardboard box. And, of course, I was very young at that point, but I remember this relationship between Samuel and Rojo. My dad named him Rojo because he had, you know, of course, the big red crest and, uh, you know, called him Rojo, you know, he rolled his <laughs> R. So when my brother was about to die, he wanted to see Rojo mm-hmm. and me again, but neither one of us obviously were 
admitted into intensive care where he was, and it was a small hospital. Mm. He was on the, the main floor so that my dad brought me and Rojo, put me on his shoulders and held me up to the window of his hospital room so I could hold Rojo and that mm. I could see him. And I think my mother was there in the room with him and the whole picture of it, because I think as a child, when, you know, when he's in the hospital and my mother's basically living at the hospital, mm-hmm. my dad is working constantly to, you know, keep up with his hospital bills and, and he's relieving her on weekends. And so I think now about being three and a half and what that impact was, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like how you're absorbing what's going on. Mm. And then the culmination of that to me was what I saw through the window. And so mm. I think that's why it's it never left me, mm. you know. So and you know, the things that happen as a result of something like that happening that you, you just don't have any explanations for it. Mm. And um so I took that memory and created a family, some that is inspired by my own family and some that is not, some mm. that is is sure. definitely, or just borrowed from other people. You know, yes. that's how it is in fiction. It's yes. like, it's fiction, it's true, but what is truth, what right. is fiction? You know, it's a gray line. Yeah. Well, knowing that that first memory was so much of what inspired it, we know you did some research on first memories. Yeah. And would love to hear you talk a little bit about what you learned. And it was making us think, too, that it would be so cool to even help parents know how they can talk with their kids yeah. about what their first memories mm-hmm. are to hear. Yeah. Well, what I learned was the irony is that they believe that the recall for your first memory is about three and a half, which is exactly mm. how old I was. Yeah. But they say you hold memories before that time, mm. but that you can't always recall them. What I read was the whole brain building and that our brains get built in a certain way based on our experiences early on. Mm. And so if something traumatic happens, then what follows that trauma is very important. Mm. So if you have a traumatic event, but you have a community around you that helps you to process that, Mm. then chances are you're going to learn communication skills of how to communicate about that. But if the communication is shut down because nobody wants to deal with the grief or they channel it in other ways, then that trauma can kind of put a stamp on your life. Mm. And so... And I think in my case, my parents dealt with the loss of Samuel very differently. Mm. My dad became super protective of Mm. all of us. I think he parented out of a great deal of love and a great deal of fear. Mm. Because the worst possible thing happened, which is the death of a child. So he basically wanted to keep us safe. And I was the youngest. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of umbrella of protection slash anxiety, Mm -hmm. fear was right there over my head. And Mm -hmm. I think my mother, on the other hand, kind of became mystical. Mm -hmm. Like she became kind of hyper-spiritual. Everything was hyper-spiritualized. And so I think that was her way of dealing with it was she 
I mean, she had all these visions of him, and I mean, and it's powerful. And I'm, boy, I'm not here to say that it that that wasn't God's way of helping her through it, and mm. it probably was. But as a child, like you deal with, okay, one mm-hmm. parent who is like completely present, mm-hmm. and one parent who is kind of in the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, Sissy, every year around this time, parents seem so stressed and overwhelmed. They sure do. It's the end of the school year. All those school events and planning for summer. Parents are going nuts trying to keep it all straight. You know what is so helpful during busy seasons like this? Every plate. Yes, every plate helps you save time with fewer trips to the grocery store and meals ready in 30 minutes or less. Some dinners take only 15 minutes or less. Getting all the ingredients delivered right to your door means one less thing to worry about every single day. And every plate is 50% cheaper than your average fast casual meal, so it's better than going out to eat. I made the farmer's market linguine the other night. It was so delicious and fresh. It tasted like summer with all of those vegetables. That sounds amazing. I made the sesame teriyaki salmon, and Connie went nuts for it. Get started with Every Plate for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code RBG149. That's just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code RBG149. As we're having this conversation for two weeks out from the shooting at Covenant School, and we both sat with a lot of parents. And I'm thinking about one family that I had a conversation with who just, you know, said, we want to be here because we want our kids to know the Lord through this. And we want the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and be our guide. And in case anybody's thinking, wait, what does that mean? Like, what's the difference between kind of going into the stratosphere and really leaning on your faith in a time like this? Mm-hmm. It's a hard question. But do you have any thoughts as to how to help parents lean on their faith, but maybe not land in the stratosphere with it, or or where they're not connecting with their children Mm -hmm. in the midst of it? Do you have any thoughts on that? That's a hard question. I can only speak from my own personal experience because I have no expert advice to give. But I believe that the most comforting thing for a child Mm -hmm. in that moment is the presence of of normalcy. Mm. Like I remember when my dad died, my aunt Doris, she's so precious. Oh Mm -hmm. my goodness. She just came over and she would make soup and she Mm. would make tea and she would sit and Mm. talk. And Mm. I feel like there wasn't this need to talk about it, but Mm. if somebody wanted to talk about it, we did. Mm. But we also felt this presence of just being able to be sad Mm. or laugh Mm. or like a go get ice cream. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like that's that sense of like life is going to continue Mm -hmm. and we're not going to be held captive by this moment but we're also not going to ignore the moment. Yeah. And um, I just feel like there's something. I remember reading a priest said that when he doesn't know what else to do, he makes coffee. Mm. You know I what I mean? I love that. Me yes. It's like you just do something yes. normal. Yes. And, um, 
I took a grief and loss class in grad school. You probably did too. And I remember I love my professor and she kind of similarly, she said, when you have a friend who's encountering loss, you show up at their house with toilet paper. Yeah. You don't say, what can I do? You mm-hmm. show up with toilet paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it. And I feel like that is so good because mm-hmm. I've so often I've said, what can I do instead mm-hmm. of just doing something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's good. Cindy, along those lines, one of the themes of this book is the sovereignty of God in the face of unjust suffering. And, mm-hmm. and as Sissy said, it just feels so timely that we would get to have this conversation with you mm-hmm. in this moment and what we have all been living in our own city. Yeah. And just would love to hear you speak more about the intersection of those two things. Yeah. That's a heavy way, you know, know, that's a heavy question. And I was thinking about this question mm-hmm. and I thought about there's a pastor in the book, Reverend Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. He's inspired by Chris Williamson. You know Chris mm-hmm. yes. from Strong Tower Bible Church. His grandfather, that is, it's named after his grandfather. Oh, wow. But he says, we might feel angry at God. Why, God, why would you allow this? And how can a loving God allow a child to suffer? How do we bear it and go on? And there will be some questions that I believe remain unanswered, at least for a time. And so we wait for the answer, and the waiting is hard. Mm. I guess that I feel like when I think about my own parents and how the loss of their child, mm. how how I see what came from that, mm. I feel like it's the kind of thing where I can see some answers mm. and others I just can't. But I will tell you that I feel that they both encountered God in a deeper way than Mm. they would have. And I think they felt the presence um, of God like so buoyant. It's like Mm. this sort of kind of holding you up. And I don't believe God sends it. I believe He allowed it. Yeah. I think He allowed it to happen. And in my mind, I don't know why. But I'm human, you know, mm. and so I, there is a part of that blind trust where you say, you know, the past has indicated that you know what you're doing. Mm. And so moving to the future, I don't know what that answer is, but somehow I know you're going to make something good of this. Mm. And is that good enough to replace the grief? But over time, I think we see how the goodness and the beauty of God kind of supersedes the Mm. pain Mm. and makes something beautiful out of that pain. Mm. And I think that's something only God can do. Yes. Mm. Yes. Cindy. Yes. Mm. Thank you for that reminder. That's beautiful. Cindy, if I could say this, as you were talking, it reminded me we have a friend who was on our podcast Scott Sauls, who wrote a book called Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, and really mm-hmm. is about the premise you just named in so many ways of mm-hmm. how beauty can be shaped out of incredible loss. And I think about seeing two friends of ours just this week at one of the funerals, both of whom have lost their daughters, this unspeakable loss that you wrote about of a parent losing a child. And mm-hmm. 
watching them even at the visitation mm. and the service with other people, like the beauty of that, like mm. your capacity to look at people is different. Yes. Your capacity to hold people is different. Mm. Your capacity to move toward them is mm. it's different and it's beautiful. Yes, out of what is, I think, one of the greatest losses a human could experience mm. of losing a child you love, this side of heaven. So I love the way you talk about that. I love mm. the way you wrote about that. Me too. Yeah, and, and that it is breathtaking to watch that if a person is capable of allowing God to turn that towards something beautiful, which we have all three seen evidence mm. of. Yeah. No, I have Cece in my head singing, All My Life You Have Been Faithful, mm. you know, from that Goodness of God song. Oh, that's such a good song. It's such a good oh, song. I love that song. You could just jump right into it if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Not you after that. you mentioned Cece. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> but yes, that's, I mean, it's exactly what you said, looking at the past. And yeah. Thank you. Mm. So, you have been on this podcast before. You're, yes. We've only had like three people that have been on it twice or something. Um, and this season we're talking about emotionally strong and worry-free kids. So if you had to say a favorite memory or story from growing up that has helped shape you into who you are. Yes. You definitely already said some, but. Oh, no, there's one. I, I, yeah. Good. Yeah. So. When I was, it was probably a couple of years after all of this happened, around five. And now I can look back and go, oh, this is why we were struggling financially so much because mm-hmm. of the hospital bills and all that. But but anyway, so my dad was a mechanic. He was a Volkswagen mechanic, as he is. I mean, he's his, he is definitely the inspiration for John mm-hmm. Mockingbird. But anyway, so he was a Volkswagen mechanic. And... You know, it was just like a lean time, and my fifth birthday was coming up, and my bike. I was like in that transition period of like the training wheels where it was time to, you know, ditch the training Mm. wheels. But I was pretty sure that we we couldn't afford a, a new bike. And so for my birthday, which is in June. So the morning of my birthday, my dad came and he he woke me up and he said, I have to show you something. And he took me and he made me close my eyes and he led me under the snowball tree of our backyard. Mm. And there under the tree was a shiny green bike. Mm. Now, what had happened was my dad had gone, he'd been collecting parts from like Mm. the junkyard and thrift stores and he, after hours, he built that mm. bike for me. And, oh, and he and I, our favorite course. colors were green. And so, and he spray painted it this like sparkly, bright Aww. green. And, um, and man, I just rode the handlebars off that thing. <laughs> I think that just sense of like, you know, I can't do this tra- traditional way, but I'm going to find a way to mm. do it, you know. And I think that was such a perfect example of my dad, which yes. is that he, he just found a way to make things work. Mm. And uh, I don't know. It just made me feel it was just such a great moment in the midst of, like, what had been such sadness. And mm. I feel like in some ways that was my next major memory wow. was that bike. You know, wow. so it went from the hospital window to mm. the green bike under the snowball tree. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And it's so interesting because when I think about you, you have blown me away over the years of being your friend. And you're my first friend when I moved mm-hmm. to Nashville. So that's 32 30, years, oh maybe? 31 or 32 years <gasps> of being friends. So long. 
We're, we're not old enough to have been friends. We're not. But we were teens. That's right. <laughs> that, exactly. But not far from it. But I think, Cindy, when I think about you over all of these years, the amount of times you have, I mean, you definitely have stayed in your lane of creativity and living in your giftedness, but you have reinvented yourself and the way that you do that in so many different expressions of that gifting that it's it's kind of like what your dad taught you mm-hmm. with that bike of, I'm going to use what I have in whatever way that I can mm-hmm. to care for other That's people so cool. and to meet the needs of the people around what me. What a cool and, observation, wow. Susie. Both my parents are real creatives, but my mm-hmm. dad was a really a creative person. So I think he, I think he did model to me. I mean, when my dad passed away, his box of things made its way to me, and that box sat in my closet for about two years because I couldn't bring myself mm-hmm. to open it. And then one morning. I was in my pajamas and I was like, this is it. And I pulled that box out, you know, sitting in the bathroom floor in my pajamas. And I found the manuscript to the novel that he had finished Mm. right before he died. It was his second. And I found these letters that he'd sent off to publishers. And none of us knew. My dad had a sixth grade education. He had educated himself by reading, mm. and he was so intelligent and just yes. so thoughtful. But, but anyway, he was doing this thing that mm. none of, I didn't know he was doing that, mm. and so I was just found that so inspiring mm. that that he just didn't let that hold him back. Mm. I can't even imagine how proud he is oh, of you. So true. So, mm. I love him. Mm. Spending time in God's Word is one of the best ways to share the love of Jesus with your kids. The Bible is a vital tool, not only for grownups, but for kids too. Think about what life would be like if you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one. That is a reality that many people around the world are facing today. Sharing the hope and peace of God's Word with others is something that is close to our hearts, and that is why we wanted to tell you all about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country on earth, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. Friends, let's meet that need. For only $25, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $25, as a thank you, Crew will also provide meals to 15 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of our book, Are My Kids on Track? Simply text R-A-I-S-I-N-G, Raising, to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. Text Raising to 71326. That's R-A-I-S-I-N-G to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash raising. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. David, did you get your taxes finished? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where'd you get them? Thrive Market. Oh, 
How much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. <laughs> from pets to kids to grown-ups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? <laughs> a lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high-quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater child care needs in the summer, and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg to start a search for a nanny, and as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. 
Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash rbg. Well, thinking about you as a daughter also makes me think about your two remarkable daughters, Mm. which we were talking about before we hit record. And in thinking (laughs) about them, just would love to ask you, what do you think are some things that have made them more emotionally strong or worry-free? Well, I think I would want to own, first of all, the thing I think I did wrong. Mm. The thing we talked about earlier where it's like that sense of anxiety and Mm. fear I think that because that was bred into me. I remember when I was pregnant with Olivia, I had this real sense that I needed to go to therapy mm-hmm. because I thought, oh, I want to <laughs> I want to process some of these things before mm-hmm. I give birth to her because mm-hmm. I just had this sense that I was going to sow that seed right mm-hmm. back into her. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think I figured some things out. But I think early on in childhood, I think I did exactly what my dad did, which is, and I know he, I know where it came from. It came from a loving place in his yes. heart, but his kind of like desire to protect me mm. also made me fearful. And so in a lot of ways, I sowed that fear into my kids. Now, I have one kid, my oldest daughter, Olivia, who is very susceptible to that, and my youngest daughter, Savannah, who is less susceptible to that. And so I feel like if I could undo anything, it would be, I think I would have tried to process fear and anxiety Mm. more so that I didn't, in turn, kind of pass that on to them. And I don't know like how a parent does that exactly through therapy and just, I mean, I guess it's a lot of surrender. What mm. do you think? What, how, do, how do we do that? Mm. Well, I have a book coming out that I'm hoping is going to help. I've got a, I I got say, a pre-release. I might have a friend who's an early it. reader. I love it. <laughs> I'll listen to it. And I, I put my reader on because I have a well, I have I an like, app. How did you listen to it? Okay. I have an app that okay. I uploaded the PDF into this uh-uh. app, and I just laid in bed at night and listened to it. And I was like, this is so good. Cindy. <laughs> it just was gave me – it was just so nurturing. I'm mm. so excited about it. Me You're so too. sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Order the Worry-Free Parent right now. That's right. The Worry-Free Parent. Yeah. So, okay, Mm -hmm. we'll we'll get off that track. So looking back to your early years of parenting with those precious girls, what is something when you were anxious that you might have worried about now that you think, why did I invest the time and energy worrying about that? Oh, just like anytime they rode their bike too fast, Mm. anytime they were anywhere near a body of water, anytime they were running across the yard because there may be a nail in the yard. I mean, you know, it's just like everything. It's yes. like my mind was always. Mm-hmm. And so I think, what could I have done? Control what you can control. So mm-hmm. I think if we create 
an environment in which our kids are safe in. The boundaries are set so that they can take risks within a certain area so that if they fall down and they then they hit their head there's like not a rock they're going to hit it on or like they'll hit the soft green grass or something Mm but also i wish i wouldn't have always gone to the worst case scenario and that's what i think i did i was a worst case scenario person i think i was set up to be like that and Mm -hmm. so how do we look at i don't know maybe statistics are Mm -hmm. helpful or or in Mm -hmm. that it's like to go yeah, this is okay. And, and I had girls. I mean, you've got boys. I mean, they're just jumping off everything, they right? Are. They are. <laughs> I once asked an ER doc if I could get frequent flyer miles. We've been so often, yeah. So you guys ended up uh, in the ER? Yes, multiple times. Oh, yeah. But I get everything you're saying. Yeah. We can live in fear of all those things, or we can create some safety yeah. and let them have healthy risk. You'll appreciate this, Cindy, because my mom adored you so much. And we were laughing the other day. You know, Henry has not been to the ER. He hasn't. Which is shocking because he never has two feet on the ground. He's always somewhere else. And I I said to David the other day, I was like, the only reason he has not been to the ER is because my mom is over him. Like, like clinging to him somehow. Like, he has his own angel that has got this fence around him at all times. Yeah. 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 I think I could have helped. What would have been helpful was to have talked to a parent with boys mm. and said, hey, just chill out. Yeah. Just relax because yeah. this is a natural part of growing up. Yeah. Mm. I remember doing the research on anxiety. One of the things it said is when you're anxious, the worst case scenario becomes a real life perspective. Wow. And that's yeah. it. I mean, you do. You just think it's it not only could happen, but it will happen. Mm. And then I read that what is the percentage of the things that we actually worry about? 80% of them will never happen. Mm -hmm. We exhaust our lives worrying about 80% of what will never happen. Yes. Well, Cindy, along those lines, what is one statement you wish someone had said to you on Mm -hmm. the front side of parenting? Yeah. Oh, I think it's don't parent out of fear. Mm. Yeah. Melissa says that parent out of love and not out of fear. That's exactly right. I remember my sister, my sister Sam, when I was pregnant with Olivia, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, and I don't, you know, how am I going to do this? And, you know, no one ever feels ready, I don't think. And she said, you know what? Everything you do, just do it in love, and it'll work out. It just mm. seems so simple, but it was like, okay. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a nice umbrella to do everything. Mm. So, yeah. I wouldn't parent it out of so much fear. Olivia has told me, she's Mm. like, Mom, you made me afraid of this. You made me afraid of that. And I'm like, oh, man, they're so free to speak. Mm. And it it (laughs) comes back and bites you. (laughs) That's so good. You want them to have such freedom, you know? Yes. Don't hold back, really. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, Obviously, we talk a lot about arming ourselves with truth in this land of emotions that we live in as therapists and that you live in as a writer. Mm -hmm. And if you had to say one truth now that helps you worry less that you Mm -hmm. want to anchor yourself to, what would you say it is? I think that one truth is that God is faithful. Mm. I just look back on certain moments in my life where I thought, I will not survive this. Mm. I will not weather this. And I did. Mm. 
And the past is the best indicator of the future, they say. Mm. And so I think if I look back on how in those moments when you're staring down something, you think, this is insurmountable. Will I make it to the other side of this? Mm. And I mean, I think having community, Mm. wow. Like, Mm. I think one of the main things that got me through those times was like a sense of like my community around me. You Mm. are part of that community. Mm. And you are part of that community. Those people that you have in your life that you can trust, mm. that, that they don't come and say, it's going to be fine. You don't mm. know. Like they let you, they, you weep with those mm. who weep. Mm. You mourn with those who mourn. And then there's mm. this great proverb that says, even while laughing, the heart can ache. Mm. It's like Proverbs 13. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. That is beautiful. And I think about like our hearts can be aching, but we can still Mm. We can still laugh, mm. you know. We can still feel that joy. Mm. Mm. Cindy, you have created so much in this world out mm. of that truth, being anchored mm. to that truth. I, mm. I love what you were saying a few minutes ago. I think if I had the creativity in her pinky finger, oh like goodness. that you have written oh fiction, nonfiction, songs, film scores, like yes. it, it blows my blows mind. mind. <laughs> yeah. Endless yes. creativity that comes out yes. of you and the joy of getting to sit and mm-hmm. talk about mm. that new reflection of it. So thank you. And, and you are such a good, faithful friend. Yes, you are. Yeah, I know. Just thinking about you saying that and picturing yes. you. I know I've told you this a million times, but picturing my mom dying, you know, laying in that bed and you coming and singing over her. Oh, what an you know? honor. Oh, gosh, what Cindy, honor. what a gift to me forever. And Yeah. So you know how we love to end every episode. You've answered a variation of this question before, but we want to ask two-part this time, queso or guac, and what's your favorite kind of taco? Okay, guac. I mean, not because it's better, but because it's healthier. (laughs) And I'm at the point in my life where I have to choose what's healthier. What my friend of mine said, he doesn't trust a vegetable that's a fat, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, and then taco. Mm -hmm. All right, this is for the parents. All right, Mm -hmm. if you watched iCarly, I remember growing up, Spaghetti taco. No, I don't know anything what? about this. No, I didn't okay. watch iCarly. This, this was for the parents. Okay, if you want a fun, like easy dinner, filling and fun, or like you have ten kids over, so tacos in a bag. You know that, right? Tacos in a bag. No. Okay, this is. I think this is a Canadian thing because okay. of our time living in Canada, we used to do this. So okay, maybe we can put this in the show notes somehow. Oh, whatever good. this is. Okay, okay. All right, Just can help us. Yeah. You go to Walmart, Dollar General, Kroger. You get the little mini bags that come in a multi pack of Doritos, Tostitos, whichever okay. you want, okay. whatever flavor you want. Okay, and then you crush them inside, and then you cut along the side of it, okay? Uh And then you assemble the fixings for a taco, ground beef, ground chicken, whatever, Uh all of that. And then you also boil, I do whole wheat, but you could do regular angel hair or spaghetti. Okay. And then you open that little pouch up and you put spaghetti. No. And then you put all the taco fillings on top of that into the bag, and there's dinner. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've never spaghetti heard that tacos time. in a bag. No, spaghetti no, no. tacos in a bag. There you go. Wow. You're welcome. Another we thing you've contributed to the brand world. New today, wow. Yeah. Because it's a combo because on iCarly, my girls love that show. Wow. They used to talk about spaghetti tacos. So we actually did the traditional like crunchy shell taco with the spaghetti really? added in. To in the base of a beef taco, and it just okay. makes it like heartier, right? Yeah. But then I was like, wait, you could do spaghetti tacos in a in bag. bag. So yeah. tacos in a bag are a whole separate thing that people eat in Canada. That's right. But then spaghetti tacos yeah. is inspired by iCarly. Yeah, that's right. Called? And you could do Fritos. You could do any kind of Doritos. You could do just Tostitos. So there you go. Okay, I think I would be a hit with Henry Weber. With tacos, spaghetti yes, tacos would. in a bag. I, I yes, gotta get that would. would help me up my game. Okay, I'm super excited about this. Cindy, thank you. Y'all, the year of Jubilee. Go get it. Go to Amazon, go to your local bookstore and get a copy of it now. So excited for this me book to too. be out in the world. More of your wisdom and truth and hope and light. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Yes, we do. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.